let's turn our attention to the Word of God, specifically Acts chapter 2. And if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. Now, if you're a guest today, we welcome you. And we always say to our guests, our hope is not only that you feel welcomed, but that you feel loved. Whether you're here in person or whether you're tuned in online, we want you to know that we love you. And we are grateful that you're here today. We know that it takes a ton of energy and a whole lot of courage to go to a new place. We don't take that for granted. And if you're tuning in with us online or if you're here in person for the first time, we welcome you. We do trust that you will find out that the Bible, we call it the Word of God, that you will find that is very important to us. And so we invite you to open to Acts chapter 2. If you are a guest or if you're not a guest and you don't have a copy of the Bible and you'd like one, we would love to give you a copy of the Bible. Be the best investment that we can make in your life is to invest the Word of God uh, into your life. Uh, And so please let us know if we can give you a copy of the Scripture. We would love to do that. Acts chapter 2, today we begin, I guess you would call it a mini-series, two-week teaching And the title of this series is A Blueprint for Faithfulness. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I like looking at blueprints, specifically in either a house or a structure that I'm familiar with. I'll take the blueprint and I'll walk through the house or through the building and I'll go, wait a second, somebody moved that wall. Uh, And I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's a pretty neat thing to do if you've never done it, to have a blueprint and to walk through the building and to just see, okay, when this was originally done, this is what it was supposed to look like. And I guess you could say that's kind of what we're doing today. As we think about the year 2020 and we think about the Christian church, the church that's under the banner of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and we think about what do I think that's supposed to look like? Wouldn't it be nice to go back and look at the blueprint? Wouldn't it be nice to go back and look at the Word of God and say, okay, in the early church, when Jesus first built this thing, here's what it looked like. That's what we're going to be doing uh, for two weeks. We're going to be looking at what the early church looked like, what they valued, what they did. And then we're going to take a step back And I guess in our own lives, like in our own personal lives, we're going to ask this question. We're going to ask a bold question, a courageous question. Is that what my life looks like? And if not, what needs to change in order for my life to look like the blueprint that the early church looked like? And so let's take that journey together. Acts chapter 2 this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at a couple of verses Specifically, over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying verses 42 through 47. So I'll just read all of those together today. But most of the message today is coming from that first verse, verse 42. Let's look at God's word together. It says, and they, they being the disciples of Jesus, they being the people who had given their lives to Christ, whether it be from the very beginning or just very recently They are followers of Jesus Christ. So it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and they were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Lord, as we look at your word today, we, we acknowledge that it's accurate. We, we acknowledge, Lord, also that we don't want to just learn stuff today. We want you to do something in our heart. We want you to change something inside of us. We want you to shape us, and we want you to mold us into who it is that you want for us to be. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help me just to communicate very clearly and that you would help us all to hear very clearly the message that you would deliver to us from this scripture. This is your scripture. This is your word. Oh, Lord, would you do something great? Not just collectively, but individually in our own hearts. Would you do something great, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your notes, you'll see that uh, there's some, some spots for you to fill in today. If you're a guest, one of the things that I really like to do is to give you this guide. Some people like to take notes. If you're online, uh, actually on our website, you can print off the PDF so you can follow along too. But you see there that we're going to start by sharing something about the early church. Before we do that, would you just look at the last scripture that we read this morning? I want you to see something really important. We'll make much of it this morning and we'll also make much of it next week. But I just want you to see who is responsible for growth in the church. You know, oftentimes uh, we think that one of the jobs of a church staff is to come together and talk about how to grow the church. Or sometimes people will think that one of the key responsibilities of the elders of a church is to get together and to pray and to brainstorm how to grow the church. I just want you to see something very simple today. It is God's job to grow the church. You know, the scripture says, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. I just believe wholeheartedly, and I want you to understand my position. My position isn't that I come here every day and think, how do I grow this church? No, that's not my burden to bear. My burden and the leadership of the fellowship, our burden is to come together and say, oh God, how can we be more healthy? I believe that when we spend our time, not just as the pastor, but you as well, and the role that you play here at the fellowship, when we spend our time and our energy and our focus on how can we be a healthy church, God will add to our number daily those people who are being saved because there's broken people in the world. And God loves them. And when God sees that there's a healthy church, God is going to take the broken person and put that broken person in a place where they can find healing and forgiveness, just like we sang about a few moments ago. So that's a whole sidebar. That's like a pre-sermon to the sermon. But I just want for you to, to feel that confidence. It's not on us. It's on God to decide how many people he wants to bring to the fellowship. I find a lot of peace in that, and I find a lot of excitement in that. But as we think about then, our job is to be healthy. What does that look like? The blueprint for faithfulness. What does that look like? 
Well, uh, let's start with our notes this morning. The one thing that I want you to really nail down today as far as understanding about the early church, they were devoted. They were devoted. And you may say this morning, well, yeah, they were devoted to God. They were. Okay, that's a true statement. But let me call a time out on that and say this scripture isn't necessarily making this declaration that they were devoted to God. In fact, this scripture lists for us four things that they were devoted to. Now, it is true they were devoted to these things because their allegiance to King Jesus. So because they had surrendered their life to Christ, because they have yielded their life to the Lordship of Jesus, because Jesus had radically transformed their existence, yes, they were devoted to these things. But I just want for us to understand when we're asking, what did the early church look like? They were devoted to specifically four things. The first is the apostles' teaching. Now, when you read, when I read that, when you were reading along with me, that might have caught your attention. And I'm going to tell you that if you and I read in a similar fashion, it probably did catch your attention because I remember early on when I was first growing in the faith and when I was being discipled in the Lord and this was my reading assignment and I read this scripture and I remember looking at the scripture going, wait a second. And you know, uh, that, that flashing yellow light, that caution light that kind of goes off in your head sometimes, like some, I'm misunderstanding something here. That was going off for me because I had this perspective that it really wasn't about the apostle. It wasn't that it was Peter. It was that Peter was delivering the gospel. It wasn't that it was John. It was that John was delivering the gospel. And so when I read that the people were devoted to the apostles' teaching, I kind of called a time out and I said, wait a second, I don't want people to be devoted to a person just like I don't want you to be devoted to me. I'm not your key to the kingdom of God. Jesus is. I want you to enjoy my teaching. I want you to learn from my teaching. And I'm not claiming to be an apostle, but I'm just saying I don't want your allegiance to be to Pastor Zach's teaching. So I struggled with that. And I remember when my mentor helped me understand what this meant. It wasn't about building a ministry on a personality. But in this time frame, in this culture, in which Acts chapter 2 was written by Luke, when he used the phrase, apostles teaching, everyone understood what that meant. Now, Thousands of years later, we, you know, we look at that and maybe we struggle with understanding a little bit of what that means. So I just want to clear this up this morning. I don't want you to get the sense that the early church was devoted to the leader. No, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching because the apostles' teaching was defined by two things. First, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The story that King Jesus left heaven and came to earth. He was crucified on the cross for our sin. He was put in the tomb. He was resurrected on the third day. That he conquered not only sin, but he also conquered death. And he sits at the right hand of the Father now. That is part of what they understood to be the apostles' teaching. Now that I can get behind. 
That I can say, yeah, let's devote ourselves to that. But the second thing that was always accompanied with the teaching of the gospel for the apostles was this direct and personal application of the theological truth that the apostles were teaching out of the word of God. You see, I think that's so critical. Because when we open the word of God like we're doing this morning... God hasn't delivered to us the scripture so that we can just get smarter. Although I'm a fan of that. I want to be smarter. But God doesn't say, look, come together and study the Bible so that you know more facts. God gave us the Bible to transform us, not just inform us. And so when we talk about the apostles' teaching, what I want for you to understand this morning is they were devoted. These early believers were devoted to hearing the theological truth of Scripture and applying it to their personal life. Now, that's a, that's a big commitment. That's a big commitment. And that's one that I wholeheartedly can get behind because it's not just that I, I want it for you. I want it for myself as well. I want for us to open the word of God and I want for us to learn from the character of God and the commands of God and the glory and the, and the, and the graciousness and the mercy of Jesus. And I want for us to not just store it in our brains, but I want for it to be released into our being and transform who we are. And that is what was happening in the early church. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the teaching of God's word, and to its daily practical application. And then the scripture says, and to the fellowship. They were not only devoted towards yielding to the scripture and to the teaching of the gospel, they were also devoted towards one another. You see, for them, the kingdom of God actually created this new reality for them. When, when, when King Jesus came out of the tomb and, and set up the church... And, and when he instituted the church, when he launched the church into the world, it became a new citizenship for people. And I think that's important for us to understand because we think in terms of these categories often, like you belong to a, a club or an organization or a neighborhood or an, uh, uh, you, you associate with an employer or a school or a university. And we see ourselves affiliated and associated with so many different things. If we're not careful, we can do the same thing with the church. And I can say something like, oh yeah, I go to the fellowship. Listen to me. It, maybe you've said this before. I don't mean uh, to rattle your cage too deeply today, but you don't go to the fellowship. You are the fellowship. You see, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. And one of the glorious things about this early church, this blueprint that we're looking at today, is that they understood that and they were devoted towards one another. They were more than acquaintances. They were more than, than the people that you kind of give the nod to as you see them on Sunday. 
You, know, you give the nod to them. No, they, they believe they belong to one another. Like they thought we come together and we create, we are the body of Christ. They didn't see themselves as a participant in an extracurricular organization that they were going to go to until somebody offends them and then they're going to go somewhere else. No, they believe they belong to one another. That is a really big thing for us to think about as it relates to what we believe about ourselves and the kingdom of God in a very real and powerful sense of the word. Your life and my life are intertwined together. We are not just people that sit in chairs together in the same room on a Sunday. We're family. And the early church understood that They were devoted towards one another. And it goes on to say the third thing that they were devoted to was the breaking of bread. You remember I told you when I read about the apostles teaching that yellow flashing light, like, wait a second, uh, we shouldn't be committed to a a personality. We should be committed to Jesus and his word. Well, if that was the caution light for me, this one was the big amen. Uh, Who wouldn't like to see of the four things that the the people were committed to, they were devoted to, one of the four was eating. How awesome is that, fella? Isn't that good? They were committed to applying God's word, to being a body, to eating, and then to prayer. <laughs> I have to tell you, there's a little bit more meaning there than just they like to go to the restaurants together. So I want to develop that thought for you. And I think it's a fair question to ask, what does it mean then to say that they were devoted to the breaking of bread? Well, there's two common ways of explaining this. One is that this is a reference to communion. Now, if you're new to the Christian church, communion is something that here at the fellowship we do once a month. Uh, You may know it as the Eucharist, or maybe you've heard it as the Lord's Supper. There's a lot of different ways to talk about it, but it's when you take the bread and you break it and you eat it, and then you take the juice or you take the wine, depending on the church that you're at, and you take that in as well, because that is the way that we proclaim the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so some people think That when it says that they were devoted to the breaking of bread, they were talking about, they were devoted to participating in communion as a way for everyone corporately to express the gospel of Christ, the crucifixion of Jesus. And I don't think that that's a bad way to read this passage either. I do think that there's another legitimate way to talk about what does it mean to break bread together. And it actually is connected to the phrase before it. They were devoted to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread together. You see, when you eat a meal with someone, that's a very significant thing. We've lost some of that because it's easy for Steve and I to go to McDonald's and order a hamburger and watch TV and scarf down the cheeseburger and go away and and not really feel like anything significant. But understand in that culture, to break bread together, it took a lot of energy. For me to invite you or your family to come into our home means that We're going to expend resources 
on you. And then we're going to do something very vulnerable. We're going to ask you to come into our home and see the chaos for what it is. And then we're going to sit at a table and look at each other in the eyes and have conversation. You see, breaking bread is a very powerful communicator of I love you and I accept you and I want to be associated with you. It was so powerful that Jesus himself often got criticized for it. You know, there would be the sinner in the town, either the tax collector or the prostitute or the one that nobody liked, and Jesus would interact, oftentimes would have a meal with this person, and he would be attacked. How can you eat with sinners? That's the gospel that Jesus invites us to his table, brokenness and all, wickedness and all, and he says, come sit at my table, and it is at sitting at that table that transforms our life when we have that interaction with him. So the point is, Often we read over this phrase and we don't give it two thoughts. But would you just consider how powerful of a phrase that is? They devoted themselves to breaking bread together. And I think that it warrants making the point that whether we're talking about the apostles' teaching or the fellowship or the breaking of bread, the word is devoted. You see, there are so many different shades of commitment on the road to devote. <laughs> Let's take the apostles' teaching. You can be aware of the apostles' teaching. That's not what it said. You can like the apostles' teaching it's not what it said. You could be interested in the apostles' teaching, not what it said. You can agree with the apostles' teaching, not what it said. You can accept it. You can celebrate it. That is not what the text says. It says that it was more than all of those things. They were devoted to these things. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Now, it just so happens last week we spent the entire service participating in prayer, learning about it, worshiping God through it. Prayer took a, a lot of focus last week. And I don't want to ignore it here because it's one of the four things that they were devoted to. So I do want to point it out. But if you'll notice... When you put all of these things together, what do you have? Well, first, you have a people that were devoted to hearing from God and responding in the apostles' teaching. Then you have a people who were devoted to one another. And then you have a people that were devoted to speaking back to God. So you have a people that's devoted to the health of the body of Christ and to the health of their own personal relationship to God. That's their blueprint. That's their blueprint. Their devotion was to God 
and to one another. What, what an incredible verse. One verse, 42. And it talks about how they were devoted to these things. Obviously, the question then for us is, are we? We'll get to that in a moment, but if you see your notes, you see there are four questions that I want to ask you this morning. I just think these are healthy questions to ask ourselves as we took so much time to consider verse 42. I think these are some good questions to ask ourselves. And so if you have your notes, look with me uh, at the bottom of the page, and you'll see four questions that will help you understand how to apply this truth in your own life. Because we're all in different places. Some of us are followers of Jesus, and some of us haven't yet begun following Jesus. Some of us have been walking with God for a long time. Some of us are either new to the church, or maybe you're not new to the church, but you are still a skeptic, and you're trying to work out. So we're all in different places, and I accept that. But these are questions that wherever we are on that spectrum of of spirituality and faith journey, these are questions that can help us understand what's next for me. The first question is this, what inspires me to pursue these things? What inspires me to be devoted towards the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer? What inspires me? It could be a situation, it could be a circumstance, it could be a rhythm of your life. What inspires me to pursue these things, to be given towards these things? What inspires me to more of this? I would just give obvious advice that if you can answer this question, put more of that in your life. Surround yourself with circumstances, with realities that propel you towards being devoted towards these four things. That's the stuff in your life that's going to help you be disciplined as you grow in your faith. And the second question is then the opposite of that. What holds me back from these things? The reality is because we're different beings. Uh, You're made differently than me. There are things that you're tempted with that I'm not tempted with. There are things I'm tempted with that you're not. But all of us have this common struggle that there are realities and people and things in our life that would pull us from being devoted towards the apostles' teaching or being devoted towards one another, being devoted towards prayer. My question is, can you identify what that is in your life? What holds me back? from being devoted towards these things. You see, if you can identify that, then you can bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, help me deal with this. Lord, this is the stuff that's holding me back. This is the stuff that keeps me from applying your word to my life. Oh, I know what it says. I know what it teaches. But something's holding me back from applying this in my life. I know I belong to the body of Christ. I know I should give my love to them. I know that I should feel more connected to them. But this thing holds me back. What holds you back? First question. What inspires me to more of this? Second question. What holds me back? 
The third question, who in my life has been a great example of Acts chapter 2, verse 42? Who do I know in my life that has shown me what it looks like in everyday real life, what it means to be devoted towards the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer? Who has shown me the way? Who has been my model? Who has been my example? Most of us here, although not all, most of us here have one or two, a few people in our life that have demonstrated what it means to be faithful in these four areas. For some, it was our parents. For some, it was grandparents. For some, it was a coworker. For some, it was a neighbor. But think about that person who who showed you what it looks like to embody these things, these specific devotions. And can I just give you some practical thoughts on what to do with that once you've identified who that person is? First is thank God for them. First is to thank God. Uh, They may no longer be living on earth, but you can still thank God for the impact that they've had on your life. They've shown you what it looks like to be faithful and to be devoted towards Jesus. And, and their example is something that we can say, God, thank you. Thank you that you strategically dropped that person into my life at that key moment in time in which I desperately needed to see what it looked like to really love you and walk with you in this twisted and broken and confused world and in this twisted and broken and confused life. Thank you that you dropped somebody right in front of me to show me what this looks like in real life. The second thing that you can do is to thank them. that person is still alive, why not call them today, email them today, text them today and say, you have no idea how God has used you. And just verbalize the work that God has done in giving us these great examples of people who have done (laughs) acts too verse 42. The last question is this. Who can you bring with you on this journey? You know, a moment ago I asked you to identify the person in your life that brought you along. Sometimes they didn't even know they were. They were just faithful to Christ and it impacted your life and you saw what it looks like to be devoted towards gospel living and you saw what it looked like to be devoted toward the kingdom of God and you saw what it looked like to be devoted towards prayer and they brought you along but now we can return the favor can't we because there's people in your life that you can influence and you can love them in this incredible way to bring them along And you may say, practically how? Well, that's a whole other teaching series because everybody's different and everybody has different needs and and everybody responds differently to our interactions with them. But I do want you to just think about this question this morning. Who can I bring along on my journey of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 
and help them and encourage them and cheer for them to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the church, and to communicating with God. What were they devoted to? To a healthy relationship to God, healthy relationship to one another. I close with a question. Where are you at in those two areas, in those four points, those four categories? I'm going to give you a second this morning in your own life to just pray and seek God. Make corrections if corrections need to be made. Celebrate where you're getting it right. But really just to process this in your, in your own life. So would you stand? If you don't mind standing where you are and just bow with me. Take a posture of prayer this morning. And would you think about those four areas? Gospel living. Commitment to the body of Christ. Breaking of bread with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Being devoted to prayer. Chances are one of the four you're doing well at. I want to affirm you for that. Chances are of the four, there's one that you might be struggling with. Would you take some moments and just spend it in prayer? Asking the Lord to reveal to you the next step in your journey of faith of being devoted towards these four things. I'm going to give you a moment just to pray before we close. Father, we pray uh, today that for those who are worshiping with us online, wherever they are, that you have made that a holy place for them and that you have encountered them in a powerful way. So we pray for our friends, our brothers and sisters that are here with us virtually. We also pray for one another in this room. We feel the importance and we also recognize the difficulty of maintaining this type of life. And so we just say to you, Lord, what Mike said about his own life, we need your strength. We need your power. We can't do this on our own. 
And we close by saying thank you that the early church was fearless and for the blueprint for faithfulness that Luke laid out for us in Acts chapter 2. 2,000 years later, we're still learning from it. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us today with so many good things. Worship time, hearing from Evan, sitting in your presence, sitting under your word. You've been so good to allow us to do that together. So we have grateful hearts, Lord, as we ask you to grow our faith. And we pray all of this in your name, Lord. The name that is above every name. The name that heals and forgives. The name that gives us life and peace where chaos lives. The name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.